and I loved it. I send you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. Welcome to Horror Queers. Each week in Horror Queers, we tackle a horror film with LGBTQ plus themes, a high camp quotient, or both. For lifelong queer horror fans like Trace and I, there's as much value in serious discussions about representation as there is in reading a ridiculously silly or fun film with a Yaz Queen mentality. Just know that at no point will we be getting Baba Shook. Aww. Aww. Yeah, so put those boots back in your closet, Trace. I will try, I guess. <sighs> so how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you, Joe? This is so bizarre to think that <laughs> almost a year after doing this, having never met in person, <laughs> and basically writing epistolary letters to each other in a blog post, we're now actually having regular conversations. Yeah, and what's weird is our kind of our first official like conversation with each other is kind of being witnessed by all of our readers and listeners. I mean, all of, you know, maybe it's two of them. Who knows? I guess we'll find out with the uh, replies we get from some of these podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's good. I I'm super excited to be doing this. You know, uh, I never would have thought when I started writing for Bloody four years ago that this is where I would be four years later doing a queer podcast with you. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> it's one of those things where it just goes in a, in an odd direction. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. So, and here we are. So, this is going to be a bit of an odd episode out cuz we're not going to be tackling a movie today cuz we figured that even though people have been reading the column, they may not actually know all that much about us or maybe people will listen to the podcast and not have read the articles. So, in case you didn't know and you're just randomly discovering this podcast, Trace and I write for Bloody Disgusting under the exact same I guess, moniker, horror queers? Yeah, probably so. Yeah. So this episode, we've affectionately titled Speed Dating, because we're going to ask each other a bunch of questions to help people get to know us. And then we're going to dig into a movie in the next episode. Yeah. And I have to confess, I'm being a little hypocritical with this entire episode, because when I'm listening to podcasts, the last thing I want to do is listen about other people's lives. But you know what? I like talking about myself. So we're going to go with that with this. As you should. <laughs> I mean, we're complete narcissists. So oh, totally. I we mean, be talking about ourselves. I think it really gets across in our posts. So we'll see if it comes across. Well, I want to say in person. But again, we haven't met. So who knows? We're in people's ears. We're in their heads. Yes, exactly. Um, so there we go. There we go. Okay. Well, why don't you start it off? So, Trace, tell me about yourself. 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Go. Uh, okay. Um, so, my name is Trace Thurman. Uh, my real name is Lloyd, uh, and my nickname is Trace. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, like I said, I've been writing for Bloody for four years. I kind of just fell into it. Um, I was blogging on my own, and I sent a writing sample to our editor, Brad Miska, and he said, yeah, cool, come write for us. Uh, so I did. <laughs> I live in Austin, Texas. You'll see my work on Bloody Disgusting covering uh, the South by Southwest Film Festival and the Fantastic Fest Film Festival. I'm very defensive, I guess, about the things I'm passionate about. Uh, the way I got started <laughs> with but my, my blog was frequently just defending a lot of things that other people hated that I really liked, i.e. bad teacher. Uh, is one is one of the first things I just started writing about by myself because I really like the movie Bad Teacher. But that's that's enough about me. What about you, Joe? <laughs> All right, so I am Joe Lipset. I live in Toronto, Canada, which is one of the reasons why you and I have never met. Yeah. And I started writing back in 2011. I had a blog with a friend of mine who was doing. We were both doing our master's degree, and we were obsessed with television, so we started to write television reviews because we wanted to try to educate people about them, but also to have more conversation. And then we kind of succeeded on the first part and not at all on the second because no one ever responded to comments. So I feel like your approach to being a contrarian and being very defensive and being very passionate about certain types of films, it actually engenders more commentary from people because people have stronger opinions. So I applaud you on that. Well, I mean, it it, it, it does. But again, if you're just a Joe Blow writing your own blog, uh, you don't get a lot of readers. But I did learn a lot about that doing it. What was your blog called? 
So the blog back in the day was called Bitch Stole My Remote, which it's like, hello, queer, because it's yeah. a riff on a line from Fashion Police, the Joan Rivers fashion comedy show. So, so tragic. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, downer note, Joe. Downer note. Well, the line is funny. And yes, the site has transformed into my sort of personal curated workspace. So when I have something that doesn't fit the bill on other places, I'll put it up there. But now that's called queer horror movies. It's a little bit of a niche site. But yes, okay, I'll go with it. Yeah. And I still get no comment. Oh, yeah. Well, I my site was called Wine and Watch because I think I was 23, 24, 24 when I started writing it. And my, I drank a lot of wine. But at the time, I was buying $3 wine from the local grocery store here in Austin. Uh, it was called... Oh, God. I know. But so here's the thing. So it was called Cul-de-Sac because I was really obsessed with Cougar Town, uh, the show from the creators of Scrubs that starred Courtney Cox as a cougar. But then after seven episodes, it, you know, stopped being about her being a cougar. So Thank God. I know. It was really good. So if you're listening to this, I know it's not a horror movie, but Cougar Town is great. And it's all on Hulu plug but i used to drink two bottles of wine a night oh wow (laughs) i wasn't an alcoholic uh but at the time i could handle my booze a lot better so i would typically drink wine and write so i'm sure that it made my writing quality very good but yeah that was just why i called it that i feel like you've just answered the second question which was random facts listeners may not know about you so trace was a functional alcoholic but he's not so functional anymore no because when i hit like 25 26 i discovered what hangovers were and my hangovers consist of some of the worst migraines you could ever experience in your entire life so i don't drink that much anymore yeah it's probably for the best I've also discovered the same problem, although my, well, maybe I'll save those stories for another day. I've got a couple of real doozies. And you're also really old, too. So, I mean, I'm sure you've been experiencing that for a long time. That's true. I'm (laughs) almost as old as cinema is. So, (laughs) me and my walker, we've had a a bunch of good stories. Okay, well. um, (laughs) I don't know. So, wait, go, go. What's a fact about you, then? A random fact. What is a random fact? Um, something that people may not know about me is that I'll give people two things. I, every time I looked at these questions, I had two answers to everything. Okay. So one is I'm married. I've been married for five and a half years. And the second thing is that I play a bunch of different sports, which people are always surprised at. Not the sports, but the number. So I typically play three sports at any given time throughout the year. So right now I'm playing volleyball and water polo and curling. Jesus Christ. Well, I do not play any sports. Um, I actually started going to get my annual physical uh, last year, and the doctor was like, so what do you do for physical activity? And I was like, nothing. And he would go, he goes, well, no, I mean, like, but like anything, like, do you walk during the day? I said, no, like, nothing. I don't do anything. <laughs> And I felt so ashamed because the look he gave me <laughs> was not good. So I walk my dogs, but that's the extent of my physical activity. So I'm going to have to fix that because I've always had a fast metabolism. But I think it's going to start hitting me where like I start gaining weight. Yes. Let the octogenarian tell you that you will start to gain weight as you get older. <laughs> no, it's just, and we, like, I live in an apartment complex. Oh, so I'm also married. I've been married for two years, but um, my husband and I dated for uh, six years before we got married. And... And you have two canine children. Yes, we have two canine children. We have uh, Coach McGurk, named after the character of the same name from the cartoon home movies. And we also have Butters, named after Butters in South Park. They're both Chihuahua mixes. Butters looks more Chihuahua-y than Coach, so Coach is a little bit cuter. But they're great. And hopefully you won't hear them on this podcast, but you might at some point in time hear them. So we'll find out. Yeah, we make no promises about the status of dog barking or squeaky toys. No, uh, not at all. All right, come on. One more fact. Give me one more fact. One more fact. Um, Oh... Yeah, I got nothing. I'm like, so you're married and you play sports. That's that, that's the extent <laughs> of you. I didn't realize we were starting a personal ad. I thought we were starting a queer horror podcast. <laughs> well, I know, but it was your choice to make the first one speed dating. So I'll do one more about myself. Uh, I, okay. I love to cook. 
I used to work in the events industry here in Austin, and meaning I dealt with brides a lot, and I would get angry all the time because brides and mothers of brides are the worst. So I found it very cathartic to come home and like chop things up. So that's, um, yeah, that's how I got into cooking. It was an anger management tool. Cooking is really good for that. I actually find it very stressful. So I make Brian, my husband, do all the cooking. We have a deal that we break down the chores. But when I used to live with my parents and they had a giant freaking backyard, I would actually garden for the same reasons. Oh, God, that sounds terrible. No, 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 no. I hate <laughs> I don't uh, no. Uh, my, my, my least favorite chore growing up was any kind of yard work, especially weeding the flower bed. Fuck that. Fuck that in the ass. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, I want to hear your top three favorite horror films, and I want to hear them, whatever comes to mind first. Shit. Okay. Um, uh, 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 Scream 2, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Halloween, the original, and... <laughs> not not the other two <laughs> that exist. And, oh, I'm going to get flack for this, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003. Oh, yeah. You love that one. I love that movie. It's the first R-rated horror movie I, I, I went to go see in theaters with my dad. Not, he's not dead, mind you. Like, he's, he's alive and well. But it was just like horror movies were always the thing that my dad and I shared. So getting to do that with him was like... It was great. But I also like that movie's amazing. I'm sorry. Like, and if I was ever going to just like rewatch that one or the original, I would l- always put the remake on first. Interesting. And also don't apologize for it. If you love it, then you love it and let the haters be damned. Oh, no, I know. I'm just thinking if for some reason this podcast like gets a bunch of listeners, I'm going to get responses to that. So, yeah, <laughs> just to be aware, yeah, everybody, <laughs> I'm aware that a lot of people hate that movie, but I think it's fucking brilliant. And Jessica Biel's a really good actress. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> She's good in that film. That I will give you. She's really good in Bojack Horseman and The Tall Man and other stuff, too. All right. So she can voice act and she can get chased by a chainsaw. Got it. Yes, exactly. Well, <gasps> but you know, in Bojack, she plays herself and she makes fun of herself constantly. Oh, I, I do love her on Bojack. Okay, yeah. just to make sure that you're aware. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so hey, your three favorite horror movies, go. All right, so I cheated. I wrote these down because I figured that I would panic in the moment. But then looking at the list, I was immediately reminded I had other better choices. <laughs> so, oh, God. Um, so I cheated, first of all, and I just said the Scream franchise because I can't pick. Although if you did make me pick, I would pick Scream 2 as well. I'm, th- hey, honestly, I think that's what made us bond at first. Like, that's... Yes, Scream 2 is amazing. Yeah, our ridiculous love of Scream 2, which is not at all ridiculous, and don't at us about that. <laughs> and then I originally had the invitation and let the right one in, but as I was listening to you talk, I was like, oh, hell no, it's Candyman and Hellraiser are the other two. Really? Yes. All right. And it's almost for the same reason as you. There's an, a heavy nostalgia factor, so those were the two main horror films that I saw when I was young. And they left a really significant impression on me. So I think I was under 10. And I saw them with my sister. My parents had forbidden me to watch scary movies because I would have nightmares. And she was like, let's watch these. And they, like, Hellraiser fucked me up. Hardcore. It's so delicious. Love it. And then Candyman was kind of like the first time that I had really experienced urban legends and noticed that there was a significant race issue in different types of films. Like it, it felt like a critical unraveling to me. Like it changed my world. Okay. I, I'm actually surprised like, as a young child, which I'm assuming you were, how old were you in like what, 92 when Candyman came out? I would have been 10. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I know. You would have been, what, four? I was three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm just because, yeah, I I, I didn't think Hellraiser, maybe, although I think Hellraiser 2 is better, but um, that I just didn't, I couldn't see like a child like getting really into Candyman because Candyman's, you know, more of a slow burn type movie. It really is. But the music and Cabrini Green as a setting, I thought were just so fascinating. I didn't even realize it was a real place until I got older and started to do research into the film. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. It's not anymore. It's been torn down. Oh, well, you're just delivering all the bad news today. That's what I'm here for. No. I'm a bad news bear. <laughs> <laughs> but but not a bear. Not a bear. No. Okay. Follow me on Instagram for pictures. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't. It'll be funny. 
I did say water polo, so that's your that's your cue. Thirsty. Pants. Oh yeah, there are. Okay, not that I've been creeping, but there are lots of pictures of you in a speedo. Yes, Sarah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. So, uh, your favorite horror subgenre and why? Okay, I'm gonna cheat and pick two, but my number one is slashers. Obviously. Yeah. I saw Halloween before Scream, um, but Scream like really kind of cemented it, and I think it's because. I love whodunits. Like, Agatha Christie shit is, like, really my ish. Um, mm-hmm. And even though not all slashers have a whodunit, like, quality to them or aspect to them, it's just so fun for me. I mean, like, the the formula is simple. You know, I, I love the creative kills. If the movie has creative kills, not all slashers do. No. And also, I mean, I do think that even though so many of those ones in the 80s are goofy... A slasher is scary because a slasher, unless you're talking about like zombie Jason Voorhees, it <laughs> there it could really happen. It's like what what is it in Scream Four when uh, Kristen Bell is like, "There's just something scary about a guy with a knife who just snaps," and it's mm-hmm. true. And then my second one is aquatic horror. Anything with the water, a killer fish, a killer shark, an alligator, an octopus, a squid. Oh my god, give it to me. I want all of that. So, slashers and aquatic horror. I always forget about your love of aquatic horror. It's so scary. Like, if you're in a lake, you can't see the bottom. You don't know what's down there. It's fucking terrifying. Okay, so does that also then apply to space movies where mm. it's kind of like the great abyss and darkness? And I will say that space really freaks me out. I'm not partial to space movies. Aliens is like in my top movies of all time. Like, I prefer aliens to alien. And there are certain types of deaths in movies that really um, give me chills, like, you know, the way someone dies. And one of those types of deaths is when someone gets ejected into space. Yes. It really creeps me out. And this is awful movie called Supernova with Angela Bassett. Oh, I love Supernova. Yeah. and Well, it's not good. Um, but Robin no. Tunney. <laughs> so, yeah, Robin Tunney gets ejected into space. And there's this part. It, it, it holds on her floating corpse for a bit. And it kind of inflates a little. But it doesn't show her pop. And I don't think that's what happens when you're in space. But there's also Jonathan Demme, I think. His mission to Mars. Tim Robbins mm. pulls his um, helmet off. And, and his head, like, turns into ice. And it's it's... I mean, it, it literally thinking about that gives me chills. Um, I don't really like yeah. either one of those movies, like space movies or whatever. But God, that's a real good way to like freak me out in a movie. It's true. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> ping ponging back to you, your favorite subgenres. Okay, so I also love slashers. I feel like it's because we're children of the '80s, or I guess in your case, late '80s. I was born in '89. Um. <laughs> I mean, neither one of us were old enough to be watching movies in the theaters and checking out all of, like, the sl- the slasher glory days of the 80s. No, not at all. Because really, like, the, the heyday is 81 through, like, 84, so it would have just been inappropriate. But I feel like that's the horror that has become predominantly known for almost the entirety of our lives in you know, there's J-horror, there's uh, fan footage, and there's torture porn, but really the one that seems to keep coming back is Slasher. So I guess it's not that surprising that it's the predominant mode that both of us have kind of grown up in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that one. And then my other one is Creature Features. Okay, see, that that's kind of a tie-in to my aquatic horror, though. like Because aquatic horror is a subgenre of Creature Feature. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm not quite as specific. So I, I do love a good deep blue sea, but also give me a giant crocodile, give me some kind of random octopus, give me like a weird razorback. Okay, I was like, those are all aquatic things that you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but- well, I'm thinking, okay, so I also love a lot of national horror films, particularly New Zealand films. And we've talked about this on the written format of this, where you do not enjoy a lot of peter jackson films but that kind of like the crazy new zealand style i find very appealing wait wait, wait. (laughs) i don't dislike peter jackson films i just don't like dead alive (laughs) (laughs) i like heavenly creatures a lot 
Oh, yeah, that that one's great. Okay, but anyway, sorry, continue. I was going to say one of my favorite is a New Zealand, it's a black comedy horror film called Black Sheep. <gasps> and it's essentially sheep that go crazy and just begin eating people because there's so many more sheep than people in New Zealand. And it's amazing. Oh, I know what black sheep is. And I love black sheep. It is so funny. Yeah, I guess like madcap creature features are also highly enjoyable. Yeah, I saw Black Sheep in college. I'm very rented it. My friends were so mad. They were like, why would you rent this shit? Uh, but there's that oh, line so good. <laughs> where they walk into the house and it's been like totally trash. And the girls, I'm, I'm going to butcher this accent, but she's like, oh my God, what? The feng shui in this room is terrible. And, like it's like there's like blood everywhere and corpses and like it's been sheeped to death. It's so uh, it's so funny. Yes, I also enjoyed how your accent started British and then made it to New Zealand by the end. I cannot do accents, so I you know when I listen to podcasts that where they do imitations, I'm like fuck, I'm not gonna be able to do that. But it's okay. I'm gonna keep trying, and you can keep grading me on it. Yeah, we should keep doing that because I think we both get a lot of enjoyment out of things like my dad wrote a porno when we hate movies. So, yes, exactly. Okay, so let's get personal. Let's really get personal. Tell me about your coming out story. Oh, um, okay. Uh, You're like, oh, I'm taking it back. Like, I shared these questions with you in advance. No, I know. I know. I'm, 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 whatever. Um, No, I I like that we're doing this because uh, before I give my coming out story, which isn't like a super sad thing, but I like that we're doing this because I really think that like Bloody has a lot of queer readers. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize and like how the queer community gravitates towards horror. And um, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll obviously get into that like later kind of or like as the episodes go on. But it's it's fascinating to me how like much of a queer following horror as it's so weird um anyway so my coming out story you know how like people like oh like i've known i was gay since i was like two i Mm -hmm. didn't i didn't know i was gay till i was like probably 13 i was always like really good friends with girls i found it really easy to be with girls and i thought like oh i'm straight like i like girls because i never really thought about it from a sexual standpoint sex was not taboo in my house but my mom was born and raised like super strict catholic my dad was not um, but my mom was like, did not like talking about sex. And so I didn't find out about sex until I was like 11. Wow. Yeah. And like when I got boners, I was like, I don't, I thought something was wrong with me. Um, <laughs> it was a real carry situation. <laughs> they did you right in that sex ed class down there in Austin, didn't they? Oh yeah. Oh, I grew up in Houston. So well, it's just, it's the same metropolitan area, but it was in the suburbs. Um, but I never thought about sex or anything from a sexual perspective. So when I started, started like hitting puberty and I started obviously thinking about sex and when I discovered porn I obviously realized that I was gay and it was a big thing because you know I I was raised Catholic and I had those times where I was like you know pleading with God like oh my god don't make me gay like I'll do anything I used to do like (laughs) this is so stupid uh I used to like you know like it's like he loves me he loves me not on a flower petals I would do I'm gay I'm not gay and like pray that it would land on the I'm not gay and oh, wow. make me not gay. I, I know, I know. It sounds so dumb. No, it sounds terrible. <laughs> There's just so much self-destruction that we go through as part of the coming out process. Like, it's no wonder that there's so many at-risk queer youth. Yeah, and I mean, I never, I, I never, like, thought about suicide like there was never a thing on my mind but yeah it it was just very much like a you know i can't be this way which is why it always bothers me when people are like oh being gay is a choice because i'm like who the fuck would like choose this but again a story for another day so anyway i started dating my first boyfriend the end of my sophomore year of high school so i was i was 16 years old and so this is like may of my sophomore year and like we dated over the summer and when my junior year started i i told more and more friends and eventually the whole school like knew but i was always made fun of in middle school like i was called a fag all the time like i mean i i people knew and honestly by the time i came out my life got a lot better in terms of a school thing because people like what, what were they gonna say <laughs> like there's nothing left to say like yes i'm gay yeah so Ooh, you're quick you're gay you're like, like yeah yes. i know and let's I, move on. And I was in theater and everyone in theater was super supportive. I told my parents that beginning of my junior year and they didn't take it as well. They sent me to therapy and, you know, they were big on the whole, like, we're not sending you to You can therapy. beat this. Well, see, here's the thing. I remember my mom coming to my bedroom and she was like, we're not doing this to change you. We just think you're really young to make this sort of decision. And of course, the word decision, like, really stuck in my mind. Mm. I had one therapy session with a really good therapist. Uh, the therapist turned out to be the grandmother of one of my classmates, which was really weird. Yeah. But she was like, you're 16. You know you're gay. Like, it's totally fine. <laughs> 
and, and literally when I walked out, we were in the parking lot in my mom's car. And my mom was like, I told my mom what happened. And she was like, well, we don't agree with that. So you're not going to go to therapy anymore. And you can't, like, you cannot date anyone. So that put my relationship with my parents on the rocks pretty much for the rest of high school, like junior and senior year. I still dated and I still like, you know, had my, a lot of firsts in high school. And it wasn't until I went to college, like, right before I went to college, when I kind of sat them down and just said, like, you'll have to like get over this. And yeah. now my parents are cool. Like we're <laughs> like, we're on great terms. Um, they were obviously at my wedding. Like we, we talk, like we hang out. I confronted them when I was drunk, like four years ago about how they handled my coming out. And they didn't remember it the way I did at all. Like I told them yeah. some of the things they said and they were like, we don't remember that. Like we didn't say that. And I'm like, you absolutely did. So, but again, fine now we're all good. It's just kind of interesting what people remember when they don't. And uh, mom and dad, if you're listening to this, which I don't think they will, <laughs> but if you are, I love you. I think you and I had similar sort of not, not difficult in the grand scheme of things coming out stories, but at the same time, it's meaningful how certain phrases or responses stick with us because we are so vulnerable at that stage. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the simple fact is, as you said, like, we don't choose to be gay, even though at this point, I'm like, I wouldn't change anything about myself because I totally love being gay. Like, oh, yeah. I've come to terms with it. That was a long time ago. But there's still certain things where, you know, comments from like, my youth will I'm just like, wow, I can't believe it. And it still bothers me. That's actually what annoys me the most. Well, and also, I mean, you think I, I love being gay, too. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And then also, like, we're white males. So if we were also straight, like, I mean, come on, man. Like, that would be terrible. Like, we're already bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we, I guess we'd be like, have like a lot of like luck in the world because like we, we'd just be like the majority. But well, the last couple of years has taught us we basically could have had everything if not for this one thing. Ugh, I know. God. Um, if only we were straight. <laughs> Jesus. But, um, so what is yours? Okay, so my coming out story is not particularly exciting either. I was a bit more of a late bloomer than you. It's very weird. Like, in hindsight, it's very obvious that I was gay. There was lots of signs and different things that should have tipped me off. But I think I deliberately chose not to look at them as gay things. So even though I would look at, you know, newspaper ads, like for Sears or the Bay or whatever your department stores are down in the States. Walgreens, is that a thing? That's not a department. JCPenney? Walgreens, <laughs> Walgreens is like a pharmacy. <laughs> it's, it's okay, so maybe a not convenience that. store. <laughs> JCPenney then. Okay, yeah, JCPenney. Like if I saw underwear commercials or something, yes. I would be like, yeah. But I was always like, oh, those look comfortable or I would like to buy those. Not that's a person I would like to be naked against. So that, that kind of thing where I was almost disassociating myself from the sexuality of what I was actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. So that lasted all the way up until first year in university. I had a girlfriend. I was absolutely terrible to her. Kara, if you're oh. listening, which you may. She and I are still really, really good friends, but I treated her like absolute garbage. I was the most distant, like disinterested boyfriend and... It was very much like, why am I not into this girl? She's amazing. She's like super into me. And then it was kind of like over the summer, I took a, I was auditing a summer horror course in film, which was interesting. And I just ended up developing this massive crush on this guy. And we would study for the exam together, even though I wasn't even taking the fucking class. So I didn't have to take the exam, but <laughs> it didn't end up going anywhere and then I ended up having like a random makeout session with a guy that I was working with at the mall. And that guy actually turned out to be the film guy's boyfriend. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, this guy was cheating on this poor film guy all around town. And he ended up confronting me about it. And I was like, Ugh. but then I was also like, shit, I guess I made out with that guy and I've had feelings with this other guy for the entire summer. Holy fuck. Okay. Well, that wasn't your fault. Are you a gold star gay? I was not, but I'm not going to elaborate for the dignity of my sexual partners. Okay. Uh, for anyone listening that does not know, a gold star gay just means that he has not had sex with a woman. If Well, sorry, Joe has had sex with a woman. 
um, because he's not a gold star gay. <laughs> I am a gold star gay. So there you go. There's more random fun trivia about us. Yes. I mean, yeah. This isn't a sex podcast, but. <laughs> but it could be. No, wait, wait. And you told your parents then, right? So I ended up not telling my parents until Christmas. So that happened. That all drama happened during the summer. I may be confusing the timelines. It must, it may have like stretched out longer than that, but I didn't tell them until Christmas. And I was actually worried that I was going to go home and ruin Christmas. My sister knew at that point because my sister and I are very close, but I actually had my best friend from high school who was gay and out in high school, very brave, just an amazing guy. I actually had him on like emergency standby in case my parents kicked me out of the house. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was going to be my dad was going to be the problem and my mom would be understanding because I'm much closer with my mom. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that it was actually kind of the opposite thing. They both acted very not surprised, but they were supportive. And then I came out later that my mom blamed herself and she worried it was something that she had done because she was more responsible for raising me and my sister. And uh, my sister yeah. essentially was like, uh, I don't think it works that way. Yeah. Actually, coming out really bonded me with my sister a lot more. Mm -hmm. I have one sibling. It's a sister. She's two years younger. And Me too. Um, yeah. I mean, we were hated each other growing up. And we fought all the time. But yeah, when, when I came out, she was also going through kind of her own stuff. I mean, I was 16. She was 14. And yeah, that really brought us together because both of us felt very isolated from our parents at the time. Adversity with your parents can help to bond, but also, I mean, sharing secrets and confiding in one another about, like, wacky shit is also good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm assuming, are you on good terms with your parents now? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've been married, um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My parents were at the wedding too. They they hated my first long term boyfriend. Turns out for good reason. But they they quite like Brian, so that works out well. Yeah, I think I, th I had like two like long term ones before I married my husband, and uh, I definitely think they like Andrew the most out of all of them. So that's probably a win. I mean, that sorry, that is yeah. a win. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably. Uh Keeping on the same topic, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, I came up with this question. So there's a reason for this, because I just think it's a really funny thing. So I have two. And also because you clearly had an answer in mind. I did have an answer in mind. Um, so I have two answers. One of them's short, one of them's long. And <laughs> uh, all right, so the first, who's like, he's actually my second choice, but um, it's a shorter response. So I'll give it first. First is um, Tobey Maguire. And... I don't find him attractive oh. anymore. I know, I know, I know, I know. He has this mole under his eye and it really bothers me. But I remember when, when, <laughs> wow. when, wait, wait, wait. when, when Spider-Man was coming out, my dad read an article that said that they had a lot of trouble making his costume because his penis was so big that they could <laughs> <laughs> that they couldn't make the costume without his bulge being really apparent. And so right. when and I don't know if that's true. I don't know what fucking magazine would ever write that. Or maybe it was like a National Enquirer thing. It was like a stupid tabloid. But all I can... <laughs> Sounds like a BuzzFeed. <laughs> I know. But it was like, you know, 2002. And so all I can think of is just Tobey Maguire's huge cock. And so <laughs> I... <laughs> at the time, I was really into Tobey Maguire. But the big one for me was Elijah Wood. Oh. Specifically in The Faculty. I had a huge crush on Elijah Wood. And what's funny is he lives in Austin and he attends Fantastic Fest every year. And every time I see him, I just, I want to, and this is, this is kind of personal, but I want to walk up to him and be like, Hey, I totally masturbated to you when I was a teenager. <laughs> and I have not done that. And I, I probably won't ever do that, but I have not ever spoken to him. And people are always like, Oh my God, did you want me to introduce you to him? And I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Well, it's probably good that you didn't because <laughs> a they would revoke your press credentials. No, I, and... I, th I, I think I think they would. I, you know, I think he'd get a kick out of it. I mean, I don't know. I maybe, but um, but yeah. Uh, so Elijah Wood was my big first sexual awakening. <laughs> That's a good pick. He's very adorable, and I love the fact that he's a huge ally to the horror community, and he's so invested in making great horror films now. Oh yeah, but yeah. What about yours? Okay, so mine. I tried to go with the first one and it took a long time to kind of pinpoint somebody because it was like, oh, male celebrity is like hot or whatever. But there was no one kind of significant or meaningful. And then I hit on it. So I'll say the name. I'll see if you if you know who it is. It's a guy named Brian Kreps. Uh, Do you know him? Leo from Charmed. 
Yes, <laughs> except it was actually because of his role in that terrible Stephen King film, Sleepwalkers. Oh, no, dude, I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally with you on that. He is hot in that movie. He's super hot. Like, <laughs> I mean, cat face prosthetics, barring, but... Um, and mother incest. Yeah, like, him and, what is it, Magina Amick mm-hmm. are, like, really gorgeous together, but he's so... He's like summertime Ken in that movie. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good comparison. Yeah. And it's like a little farm boy. Oh, and he's, mm-hmm. he's naked for a lot of that movie because he's all catting out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I support that. I totally support that. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you have my approval. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So let's let's bring it back to horror a little bit here. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. queer horror podcast, not in our rated sex podcast. Um <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a good litmus test for our our listeners. I was going to say readers. A good litmus test for our listeners, though, because if they can't handle that, well, I mean, you should still listen. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to kick away listeners, but, you know. Yes, if you can't handle our authentic voices and you talking about your masturbation to Elijah Wood, (laughs) maybe don't listen to the podcast. Or have your finger on that 15-second fast-forward button. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. Okay, so... Coming back to queer horror, tell me how you define queer horror and why you think it's important. Uh, mm, hmm. Um, and yes, I know you gave me these questions in advance, but I didn't think about this. Uh, but I mean, queer horror, like, it's honestly just kind of how we've been covering it. You know, it's it, what I always love running into is like whenever people are commenting on the articles and they're like, well, it's kind of a stretch to fit this into your theme of queer horror. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Why do you have to make everything about queer horror? Not everything's queer horror. Why can't we just enjoy a movie? That's the thing. We're either reaching too far or it's, I, I, I don't even know. But so queer horror, it could be a multitude of things. But, you know, obviously there's, you know, your Nightmare on Elm Street 2s, which is like, obviously, like, this film has a queer aspect. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who doesn't read, we do two articles a month. One is a film with a direct queer aspect or theme. The other one, we call it our off-cycle post. Basically something that doesn't necessarily have a queer theme, but is something that, you know, I mean, as we kind of intro this podcast with, has like a high camp quotient or both. Or I mean, it may not even have camp to it. Just something that we both of us really like. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something in a film that a queer audience could latch onto. And kind of going back to how I was talking about how horror has had a large queer following, it's like, why is that? There are aspects of films. I know you did last summer has a huge queer following because Sarah Michelle Gellar is a goddess. Mm-hmm. We covered Urban Legend because fucking Rebecca Gayhart. Rebecca Gayhart. <laughs> everything about that is just screams gay. Queer horror to me is just something in the horror genre that queer audience, be it a gay person, bi person, trans, uh, drag queen, anything, can latch on to, basically. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Like, when we say queer, we're not talking about gay. We are both gay white men, but we're not interested in only covering gay white movies. Like, to me, that's actually super fucking uninteresting. Well, and just because we are gay doesn't mean we know everything i mean when we when we covered insidious 2 you know i was having a lot of trouble with the terminology of the bride in black you know is it trans is it cross-dresser oh wait what's the appropriate term for cross-dresser is it transvestite um hint it's not Mm -hmm. it is not no it is not and so (laughs) we went to the glad website and we got an education oh yes and there were plenty of comments on that article too using about our terminology so um but it's all about education. I'm more than willing to learn. And that's what I also love about this podcast. Well, our articles and now the podcast is that we are both going to learn a lot of stuff. And I hope that we educate listeners as well. Yes, we are my favorite murdering our way through this. We're not always going to get it right. But we do want to hear constructive feedback if we misspoke or got something slightly wrong. Hopefully not totally wrong. But yeah. Yeah. And then for me, queer horror, like a lot of the things that you said, but for me, I'm always looking for something that has a bit of a subversive aspect to it. So even stuff that has that high camp element to it, I'm looking for something that digs at normality or makes fun of it or just offers a different light or a different perspective. So I think my favorite type of queer films and queer horror are ones that are not afraid to be daring or risky or trying something new. Back in December, we covered Killer Condom, and it was like the 
most batshit wacky little film, but I loved it because it was doing such weird things. Oh, yeah. Again, I think that that movie was a surprise for both of us. It's so fucking good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now tell me what your favorite queer horror film is and why. I was so I promise I was listening to you talk, but I was literally like Googling queer horror films because I was like, oh, what what is my favorite queer horror film? Do you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Yeah. Okay. You can just tune out and no, no, no. say the answer at the I'm, end. <laughs> I'm listening. Right. I'm listening while I'm looking. Oh, okay. I think I have mine, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, you're too late. I'm already going. Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought about this such a long list. I mean, we've got a spreadsheet with about <laughs> 150 films in it, yeah. which is always helpful. Looking through it to me, I think my favorite is Fright Night because it's got... It's got an, a little bit of everything that we've talked about. It's got closeted gay actors or actors who were known to be gay, but not like really well known publicly. It's got super high camp value just in some of the costuming, some of the performances. Chris Sarandon is a fucking hunk. He's so hot. Eh. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll fight about this later. <laughs> You know, Evil Ed is a camp performance for the ages. But even the fact that, you know, the main protagonist's girlfriend gets abducted and then she gets a fucking makeover so that they can have a dance club scene. Like, it's... Uh, I love that It's scene. just amazing. Like, that movie is so fun and weird and different. And I kind of feel like it encapsulates a lot of different elements of queer horror for me. So, my sister never hates horror movies. Like, she never likes watching them and, like, she, whatever. But we bonded. I made her watch Fright Night one day, and she loved it. Because it used to air on AMC all the time. And she loved it. Of course. So, that was, like, one... Again, one of the things that we bonded over growing up was, like, we both loved Fright Night. And specifically the Evil Ed character. Yes. So, yeah. Who does gay porn, by the way. Did gay porn. And you best believe I sought that out as soon as I found that out. Uh, I can't with the voice. It's also not good. It's very, very not professionally made. <laughs> um, I mean, it is, okay. but like, it's not good. So in case people are keeping track, Trace likes his pornography high quality, <laughs> and he likes his male celebrities slightly hairy and Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah, I, I would say I'm into otters. My husband always gets on to me, though. He's like, you like them twinks. And I'm like, no, I mean, yeah, but no. Um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Favorite queer horror. <laughs> okay, so I mean, there's a lot to go through, but... And, you know, it may not be a definitive answer. You ask me no, I, might, I may have a different one, but I think I'm going to go with Jennifer's Body. Oh. And, but here's the thing. When I saw this movie in theaters, I was really disappointed. I was really looking forward to it. I was so excited. I was still riding that Juno High from Diablo Cody. And mm -hmm. I'm a Megan Fox apologist. Or not? No. I'm sorry. Apologist makes... You're a non-apologist. Yeah. Like, I think she's great. And when she's playing a role that caters to her talents, like Jennifer's body, she's really good in it. And I love Amanda Seyfried. I also have this thing for famous actresses when they can do an R-rated movie and they can be naughty and say the word fuck a lot. I have like a real like boner for that. So Amanda Seyfried mm -hmm. coming off of Mean Girls. And I guess she did other stuff since. Oh, she did Mamma Mia. Like Mamma Mia was the year before. <laughs> I was really like excited for it. And I saw it in theaters and I was just not impressed. No, I hated it in theaters. Y you saw it in theaters? Yep. Okay. Yeah. The dialogue was so forced. I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was too light on gore. And it was from Karan Kusama, who'd done Girl Fight and also Eon Flux, but who would go on to do oh, Jesus. Who would go on to do the invitation, which we both agree is amazing. Oh my God. So good. But yeah, and so I was like, eh. I've seen it probably five times since I saw it in theaters, and I like it more and more each time. It mm -hmm. really is a good movie. The dialogue isn't as cringy. I mean, it still sticks out. Like, it's very much Diablo Cody. Yeah. It's great. And I'm not a girl. I can't personally relate to the girl friendship thing, but I love the relationship between Jennifer and Needy, Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, respectively. And it's very much like a lesbian film, and it doesn't oh, yeah. hide that fact, and I really respect that. But I think it's a really fun film. If you haven't watched it recently, and, like, you know, your memory is of the theatrical experience, and you're like, that wasn't good... It's almost 10 years later, like, give it another watch, because it's totally worth it, and I think it's aged very well. So we're both very active on Twitter, as people who follow us know. Mm -hmm. I feel like Jennifer's Body this year was re-embraced by the horror community, and people were like, 
why do people not like this film? This film is amazing. It needs to be rediscovered. Like, I felt like this was the year that people finally came back around. And it's now like a really celebrated text. It was. And I want to be like, well, you fuckers didn't go see it in theaters because it bombed the Mm -hmm. box office. I spent my hard on cash, my fucking, you know, sophomore year of college money (laughs) that that I was getting at the time. That could have been beer money. It could have been wine money for my $3 wine. Oh, Jesus, God. <laughs> uh, okay. So, keeping with the theme, which film are you most excited to talk about on the podcast? I've already, like, mentioned it, but I'm really excited for you to watch Seed of Chucky. I cannot wait to talk about that fucking movie. Yes. Because you've never seen it. and Never seen to it. To any listeners listening, I don't think it's good. I do not think it's a good movie. And you want to talk about cringeworthy dialogue? That's a movie with cringeworthy dialogue. But it's such a bizarre thing that I I can't believe it got made. I can't believe a studio said, yeah, that's theater ready. That's good. Let's mm-hmm. let's put that out. But it's so balls to the wall insane. And granted, there are funny parts in it and there are clever bits, but it's not good. But anyway, so that's what I'm most excited to talk about. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, that should be a good time. I'm I mean, the whole Chucky franchise to me is just such a weird little oddity. And I love Don Mancini for making it and keeping it alive. And uh, maybe one day we'll have to talk about the new remake. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Okay. My most anticipated, I actually went with a TV show. We've never done a TV show. Oh. And I'm dying to make you watch a British TV show called In the Flesh, which uses zombieism as a metaphor for queerness. Okay, that sounds like a thing. It's really interesting. It's also a unique take on zombieism because it's actually after zombieism has been cured and they have to reintroduce people who were zombies who still look like zombies and basically have to wear makeup and contact lenses and they have to reintegrate themselves back into society and mix with the people that they attacked or people whose families they killed. Oh, It's very, very similar to the film that came out last year with Ellen Page called The Cured. I saw that. Very similar premise. Okay. But better executed because it's six hours. Yeah, I think six one-hour episodes. But just really, really interesting. Wait, so are we going to watch all six episodes or are we going to watch like the pilot? Uh, we'll have to figure that out <laughs> offline. Because <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a big commitment. I feel like that's why we don't do TV. There's a big difference between doing an hour and 40 minute movie versus six hours of yeah. television. Well, we can play it by ear. And I guess really what we could. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward, question mark, to that. <laughs> you will. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Okay, so talking about things that we maybe didn't enjoy as much, this is my question, and I know that we'll take flack for this on Twitter, because it's propagating negative attitudes and attention, but what was your most overrated horror film for 2018? Uh, This trend of, like, no negativity, I'm like, look, you can be critical without being an asshole, and for people that want to just say, oh no, like, we don't need worst list like best and worst like we don't need worse i'm like look <laughs> it's fine i feel like it's our due diligence as critics to try to steer people away from films that they shouldn't waste their time or money on yeah now whether people choose to listen to us is up to them i like reading best and worst list because i like to see how much i agree with this critic because i mean i want to see both sides of the spectrum you know what do they like and what do they hate Like, it's Mm -hmm. not just about, oh, like, let's make fun of this movie. But again, topic for another time. I'm very passionate about this subject because I've run into some issues in the past about it. But most overrated film of the year. I'm going to say, you know, I didn't dislike this movie, but I was surprised at how many people really loved it. It's Mom and Dad with Nicole and Nicole (laughs) and Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair. Yeah. It's from, I think, Brian Taylor. It's one half of the Crank directors. Yeah. I liked it fine. It was like a solid three out of five for me, but people lost their shit over it. And that movie to me, it's 83 minutes long. It takes too long for the killing to start. Mm -hmm. And by the time it gets into it, the third act is really fun, but then it ends and it's almost as if it ends right before the third act. The first act feels like it's like an hour. And then the second act is the last 20 minutes and it's super fun and great. And then it ends. And it's like there's no third act on this movie. And that really bothered me. Like, I I wanted some batshit crazy things. And I 
got some of it, but it really, like, failed to deliver for me on a lot of levels. But again, it's enjoyable. It's fine. But for being from that director and starring Nicolas Cage and being a nice role for Selma Blair to be in, which, by the way, she's really good in that movie. She's the best part of that movie. She is. And she has way less to do than Nicolas Cage does. Like, where is her destroy a pool table with a mallet while singing the Hokey Pokey? Is it the Hokey Pokey? I think it's the Hokey Pokey or something. I just repress Nicolas Cage at this point. Like, I just can't even deal. My body shuts down. Yeah. But so, yeah, that to me, I mean, like, again, I don't dislike the movie. I think it's fine. But it's getting praise. Like, it's the second coming of Nicolas Cage. And it's like, it's not that great. Yeah. It's aggressively overpraised, which I find... I'm susceptible to hype. So part of my issue is because I spend too much time on Twitter. I feel like I'm just constantly reading the same kind of validated takes where people are like, Oh my God, mom and mom and dad. So good. So good. And you're just like, okay, it must be so good. And then you go to see it and you're like, yeah, it's aggressively fine. Yeah. Or worse sometimes. So I ended up with two for this answer. Okay. One of them was Overlord. I felt like people were falling over themselves to heap praise on it. And I was like, kind of like what you said about Mom and Dad. It's It takes way too long to get to where it needs to go. And then it kind of short shrifts the part that I really wanted to see. Also, I felt like we were promised some kind of big sequence where all of the creatures were unleashed from their cages. And there was only like the one guy who got out. Mm -hmm. And... I was like, where, like, where is all the Nazi mayhem? Like, I want to see those fuckers get their faces kicked in. I want to see, like, the action when it came was great, but it just took way too long. I agree with your review that it was like one too many returns to that fucking farmhouse or whatever that place was. And like that farmhouse, everything in the farmhouse reminded me of the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards. And I was like, wow, that's a good movie. I wish I was watching Inglorious Bastards right now. Which is not what you want when you're watching a movie that's not Inglorious no, Bastards. That's exactly right. Like, I don't want to be told, like, I don't want to think about watching I, I, how I want to watch another movie. That was the world premiere at Fantastic Fest. And I, again, I was really excited for it. Walked out, I was like, it's fine. And everyone was losing their shit about how good it was. And I'm like, I don't understand it. I do not understand the praise for this movie. Yeah. And then the other one is actually the other big world premiere that I got to see at TIFF this year. And that's Halloween 2018. (laughs) I have seen your review score go down twice on Letterboxd. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like this is a film that the more I think about it, the less I like it. And I will come out front and center and admit that I'm not a huge Halloween franchise fan. I like the original film. I've seen the other ones, but I don't remember most of them. I really enjoy H2O, and I feel like it's gone the inverse way of Jennifer's body, and people are now saying, like, oh, it's not as good. It's not what you remember. It's, like, it's a really weak entry. Like, you know, the modern one is is a much better version of it. And I'm like, no, fuckers, H2O is a really good movie. Sure, it's got plenty of stuff that's not fantastic, but the new one has so many problems with it and i don't think it's funny like i really don't think it's funny at all you don't think bon me is funny oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be like the point of contention scene is like that damn bon me scene and I, I think it's fine but you know whatever well i mean to me the the biggest issue and i i hinted at this trying to be not spoilery in my review for bloody disgusting which ps was written in like 45 minutes at 3 a.m so that i could try to get up as fast as possible Oof. and it's probably the review that i regret the most in my entire professional career because i feel like it's actually really disingenuous <laughs> like i felt pressured to write a good review because of the way that the audience reacted but the people who are going to go to a world premiere are obviously going to be the craziest of fans Mm -hmm. but in hindsight i really i just don't think it's that good of a film i think it's fine like if i see people putting it on their best of list for 2018 i immediately was like "Mm, i i don't know how seriously i can take this list anymore because to me there were just so many other films that were amazing in 2018 like it was a fucking good year for horror Halloween was, like, it's not even in my top 20. Right now, it's sitting at my number seven. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> it's been fun podcasting with you. I'm just going to hit stop recording because we're done. I know. And I, I, I've seen it twice. I saw it again in theaters when it came out because I, I caught it at Fantastic Fest and then I saw it when it came out. I still liked it. I mean, I, I, I understand. I, I Trust me. I've listened and I've read about all the flaws people think it has. And I, I do agree that it does have flaws. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that I hate it. I just... If I never saw it again, I'd be fine. Well, I think um, our editor, Brad Miska, is on your side. When he saw it, it was like, what was that? But then John Squires, another, again, writer for our site, I think his title's editor? I don't know. Um, I should probably know that. <laughs> <laughs> John, we love you. Hi, John. <laughs> we just don't know your title. <laughs> um, but he was really into it. So, I mean, it, it's definitely splitting people, but, you know, it has things. Okay, so thinking about... This year, so we're now into a brand new calendar year. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what your most anticipated 2019 film is. Doesn't have to be queer. Yeah. Um. And I should let you know, my answer is based on what you respond. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so I am going to say my gut wants to say Midsummer, which is the next movie by Ari Aster, who directed Hereditary. But mm. my heart... And you're sure that's not just because you're riding a hereditary high after revisiting that film for your December Well, post? no. I mean, like, I'm super, super, super into that movie. Like, I mean, every time I watch Hereditary, like, I like it more each time. And, like, this sounds weird, but, like, I was the quote-unquote most bored watching it the first time I saw it. And I feel like it should work the opposite. Like, where, like, the more you see it, the more you're kind of like, eh, like, okay, like, I've seen this all before. But no, I, like, it's amazing. But... Anyway, I want to say that, but honestly, I really think one of my biggest things I'm excited for is Happy Death Day to You. Yes. I, that first one, not great, but really good. A pleasant surprise for me. And the second one looks more balls to the wall. Like, I love that she knows what's going on from the get-go. And it looks Mm -hmm. like it's just going to be crazy. And even though it's PG-13 crazy... I am just looking forward to spending more time with Tree, a.k.a. Jessica Roth, the actress. Well, you do love a good bitch. I, I love it. And it's so funny because I've seen so many so many people that don't like the first one because they don't like that character. And I don't understand it. I mean, like, I don't get it. She's so funny. She's so funny. And yeah, she's a bitch, but she has, like, her change of heart at the end. Spoilers if you've never seen it, but it's almost two years old. Yeah, get on that. I don't, I, I don't get it. I mean, whatever. But I think she's so funny. And that movie is just enjoyable. It's, it's junk food movie, but like, it's good junk food. I love that movie. I actually didn't catch it until it came out on video. So I had heard the wave of reaction where people weren't excited about it. And then it did well on its opening weekend. And then it was like, oh, no, it's actually much better than people are giving it credit for. Right. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really interested because originally I was, yeah, a little, uninterested disinterested when it first came out i think it's really well done i yeah i mean i'd like the kills to be a little bit harder but i think what they did with a pg-13 rating is actually surprisingly clever and good so yeah i'm super psyched for the new one because also we're gonna get a bunch of people dying not just her oh yes i mean but again my only gripe, it is a premise that lends itself to gore and creative kills. And I know that was mm-hmm. the original intention with, when the guy wrote the script for it. Obviously, it, didn't, it wasn't made that way. But th- that is the one that I'm like, I wish they would just make it R. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, what is your most anticipated movie, horror movie of 2019? Okay. So, I'm going to smack you in the face because I know that you've forgotten about this. And, and I can't wait to hear your reaction. So my most anticipated of 2019 is The Perfection. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna tack it on as like a, but I'm also excited for this, but I've already seen it. But I didn't say that because I've already seen it and I know that it's fucking amazing. So people who are listening, if you don't know what The Perfection is, it's interesting to, to have followed this one because I had not heard anything about it. And then the reactions out of Fantastic Fest from you, from Nolan of Dead Ringers Pod, pretty much everybody that I know and I like really trust and respect their opinions, you were all like falling over yourself saying this film had no idea what was going on, kept reinventing itself, surprised the hell out of me, and I'm here for it. Like, hardcore 
Plus, those two actresses are amazing. They are. I and mean, I, I never watched Girls. Um, I mean, I've seen a, a couple episodes, um, but I, I never, like, stuck, like, I never, like, watched it all the way through. But I, from what I've seen from Allison Williams and, and Get Out, like, she's really, really, really good. But that is a movie that I'm worried it's going to get overhyped. But I do, I really think it's going to live up to people's hype that they build it up for. Just, it's a quick 90 minutes. The premise is, like, Misery with a Cello Player or Black Swan slash Audition. It's kind of like a mix of all those. But it's like, those films don't match. So for yeah. someone who hasn't seen it, you're like, wait, but what? Yeah. No, I mean, I love that it's going to Netflix, but like that it's being robbed of a theatrical experience for all of you mm-hmm. is really upsetting to me. Yeah, that was um, that was my cam experience where I was seeing that film in the theater and getting to see how people reacted was crazy. And then knowing that people were just going to watch it on a random Saturday morning on Netflix, you're kind of like, hmm. But it's also going to get seen by so many more people. Yeah, for sure. Pro and con. Yeah. And then the other one is uh, Jordan Peele's new film, Us. Yeah. So I, that was my backup if you said The Perfection. I, I, I am excited about it. But I just I know so little about Us, like what, what it's going to be. But yeah, I, I yeah, hopefully, uh, dude, like with that and with Midsummer, like I really hope neither one of those directors has a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Tiny aside, because David Robert Mitchell, I think that's his name. It follows the witch director. That's Robert Eggers. David Robert right. Mitchell is it. He has a new one though too. God. <laughs> well, I hope that's good. But it follows. Uh, that director has his new movie coming out. Well, it was going to come out December, but now it's coming out like I guess in April because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Under the Silver Lake. I disliked it when I walked out of the theater, and the more I thought of it, the more I fucking hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I wasn't sure which way that was going to go. No, like, I mean, and some people were really into it, and I was like, y'all are stupid. I mean, like, sorry, not really if you liked Under the Silver, like, you're not stupid. Everyone has an opinion. But, like, that movie's garbage. Okay, well, I'll make sure that Phil Nobile Jr. of Fangoria Magazine <laughs> notes that you think he's stupid. <laughs> we're we're just, like, 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 throwing down gauntlets here with this first... <laughs> Very first episode. I mean, like, it's really bad. I mean, did, you saw it, right? No, it played at Fantasia in Montreal, which I went to, but it didn't play when I was there. Oh, well, it is two and a half hours of bullshit. Yeah, to be honest, even the, the previews didn't look great to me, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, if you like noir, like, maybe you'll like it. I'm not a big noir person, so, you know, maybe that played into the factor, but I don't think uh, so. Okay. All right. We're running excessively. I know. We, <laughs> we, went we really had bankrolled long. this at 30 minutes, and here we are. Okay, so now it's time for the lightning round. It, it's like yes or no, or single word answers. So, okay, beer or wine? Wine. Yes, obviously. I'll take both, but I prefer wine. Yeah. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Okay. Again, I will take both because I have a sweet. You can't say both. That's cheating. Okay, in that case, I would go with sweet. Okay. True crime, yay or nay? Um, yay? I mean, like, I don't listen or read a lot of it, but I I like it. Okay, I'll accept that. I am yay. I tend to listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, so. Film or television? Whoa, that's really hard. Yeah, I knew this one would stump you. (laughs) I I watch so much TV. I'm gonna say TV. I'm more of a TV person. Yeah, so am I, surprisingly enough. I just feel like you can do more with TV. Mm Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Oh, actually, that reminded me. I did have a different answer when for the thing that people should know about me. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I was going to say that I wrote my master's thesis on Buffy. <gasps> oh, That's see, how much of a Buffy fan I am. That's why we're going to be friends, Joe, because that's my favorite television show of all time. Yes. So, okay. That cool. is the correct answer. We are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then finally, the most important question of all is which is your favorite Chris? Evans, Hemworth, Pine, or Pratt? Pratt, but from his Everwood days. Ooh, Chunky Pratt. No, 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 no. Chunky Pratt is Parks and Recreation Pratt. You Google Everwood Chris Pratt, and he is a little football player. Mm, okay. So, uh, anyway, what about you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will go with Evans. It's oh. all American, very sort of like prim and proper, but I also, I must say, I really like his Twitter persona. Well, hopefully it's not a persona, hopefully it's really him and the way he presents, but. Wait, 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 okay, so what, what's your order of Chris's? So Evans is on top. Hmm, Evans on top. <laughs> That's the alternative <laughs> title of this podcast. <laughs> 
okay. I would probably go Evans, Hemworth, Pine, and then Pratt, to be honest. Are you fucking serious? I like all of them. Pine equally. is the least interesting for me. But he's so cute. It's For me, it's Pratt and then Hemsworth, but with short hair. I don't do that Thor shit. Yeah, the new the new short hair is much better. Or like Cabin in the Woods short hair. Um mm. and then Evans and then Pine. Alright. I mean these are all acceptable answers. Yeah, I mean there's not really a wrong all answer. Four Chris's are good. <laughs> but seriously though, go Google uh Chris Pratt and Everwood after this podcast, because you're gonna be like, what the fuck? I've seen Everwood, I just don't remember him from that. Well he was not chunky. But if he was, that's okay. Like, by all means. No, it's okay. So we've established that you masturbate to uh, Elijah Wood and your fat shamer. It's fine. <laughs> Fuck. Yep, that's me in a nutshell. Can't put this back in the closet like those Babadook boots. Oh my god, they're there, just waiting for me. <laughs> just look for the pride pictures. Okay. So <laughs> we only went thirty-three minutes over our supposed thirty-minute runtime. <laughs> Although after the edit, I guess maybe we'll get it down to like an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, we'll we'll chop out like 90% of this. This will be like 15 minutes. Long. Okay, good. Love it. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to do this on a weekly basis. <laughs> Somehow we're going to do this on a weekly basis. We are. And we're actually going to talk about one movie per week. Yes. And so what are we starting off with? Oh, right. We are starting off with my well, one of my favorite movies of all time. Ooh, let's see if I can do a drum roll on a podcast. Scream! Yes! And again, for all you people that are like, well, that's kind of a reach. What's gay about Scream? Literally everything about Billions 2. Mm-hmm. Everything about Billions 2 is super gay. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we are doing Scream. And, uh, yeah, we'll be coming at you weekly. And we're definitely going to stick with some more popular mainstream films first. We definitely have the first couple picked out already. Uh, and at the end of every podcast, we will let you know what we're covering the next week. Yeah, so people can watch along, uh, they can interact with us. How can people get a hold of you if they want to yell at you? That was my next thing I was going to say. Yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter, um, at Traced Thurman. That's T-R-A-C-E-D as in dog. Thurman, my last name. Uh, that's also my Instagram, if you feel like it. I take a lot of pictures of food and my dogs, not myself. It's true. <laughs> it's a lot of pictures of dogs. <laughs> it's basically a dog Instagram account. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, what about you, Joe? Okay, uh, people can find me at B stole my remote, as in the letter B stole my remote, because, you know, I used to have a blog by that name. And I think that's also my Instagram, but I might be wrong. I'll it just is. Edit it. <laughs> I'll just edit it if it's wrong. And <laughs> it's the joys of being the editor of the podcast. Oh, yeah. But you're going to teach me. I'll, I'll learn how to edit it. So you're not editing all the time. I'm probably just not going to do too much editing, to be honest. <laughs> I, I know. Like, just let it go. If people don't like it, they have that 15-second forward button. It's a blessing in disguise. It's true. All right. So until next week, when or maybe if we drop these all at once, we'll oh yeah, you'll just be able to listen to Scream immediately. So yeah, so we'll figure it out. Move right on and listen to that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Until next time. Guess the horror queers are out. Okay. We'll come up with a better sign off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until next time. Uh-huh.